In today's show, we're talking to Natalie Allport. She is a former national team snowboarder, CrossFit athlete, and lifelong entrepreneur. She loves nerding out on growth mindset and human performance, hosts the All In with Natalie Allport podcast, and is a passionate advocate for athlete mental health. She runs a marketing agency, 93 Agency, with over a decade of experience in social media, sports marketing, and athlete branding. In today's convo, Natalie breaks down exactly how to reach out to brands, how she approaches her content, how she works with athletes to build their digital presence, how she landed a TED Talk opportunity, and much more. My name is Tom Boyd, and this is the show that explores how storytellers are building brands online from the creative process, the mental frameworks, to the monetization strategies. I'm fascinated how these individuals are building brands around their own individualities. In this show, we learn exactly what's working so we can apply that to our own mission as creators. And if you're the type of person to give reviews, which honestly, I'm not either, but you you might be, hit the Apple Podcast link, give your boy a review, it would be greatly appreciated all right enough about me let's get into the show with natalie what's up how's it going hey it's it's going good how about you i'm doing great uh so as a multi-sport athlete entrepreneur creator and speaker i'm very curious what are some similarities between what it takes to be a successful athlete and what it takes to be a successful creator and i know that's loaded question i know we're coming in hot with the first one but you know that's that's how we're starting today I like it. I like it. That's a great question to kick things off with. I think I know I made a post on LinkedIn about this and it was kind of relating sport to business, but I think it goes for creating too. And it's that like athletes have so such patience, even if it doesn't seem like it, like we've dedicated probably most people start sports when they're like three years old. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if they switch sports, right, they're building off those same lessons and the same kind of movements and skill sets they learned in that previous sport all for it to to pay off usually sometime in your late teens, early twenties, mid twenties for like triathletes and, and people in different sports like that, maybe even their thirties, their forties. Um, and so you've built up for a really long time, just doing something that you're passionate about for the sake of being passionate about it and for getting to that next level without ever like putting it out for show until finally you break through. And so then it might seem like this overnight success, similar to creating, you create content. For example, I used to make little YouTube videos uh, when I was snowboarding, like when I was, I guess when I was a teenager. Before that, I used to carry like my uh, cassette video camera and I would take that on like trips out west and different places and be filming things. All for it, like all of a sudden, the first viral video I got was in the past year on TikTok. Um, And it's not like that was an overnight success. It was that I have been filming little things and, you know, thinking about creative content, filming the sports that I do and all that kind of stuff since I was a kid. And suddenly it was like right place, right time, right platform. So I think it's very similar in sport. And you can take that across into the same world of creating business, life, like anything. And and when you were first kind of recording some of those behind the scenes, what what, what do you think is... What was your reason for doing that? Were you just following your curiosity? Did you kind of like the the limelight a little bit? Did you see some of your favorite athletes and like they were on TV? Like what what drove you to create that content so early? Yeah, I think part of it is like, you know, you'd watch like America's Funniest Home Videos or something. My brother and I used to watch that all the time. So we would literally like be biking and doing bike tricks in front of our house and we would like we would be talking to each other as if it was a show. We'd be like, don't try this at home, kids, and mm-hmm. doing funny stuff and doing tricks. And when we would watch the shows, we'd be like, 
how come we're not on there? Like we can do the same things. We're always doing these types of things. So we were always trying to film little videos and put it together. And then same thing. I just wanted like also to document the journey and see what was happening. So for example, snowboarding, um, filming is like a big part of the whole snowboard scene. Same thing with like with all action sports, which is kind of where my creativity came from. I think if I was in a sport more like, like a hockey, um, it's less uh, accepted or as popular mm -hmm. to put yourself out there. Versus a sport like snowboarding completely runs on content. Um, yep. Now it's social media, but back in the day when there wasn't even the Olympics for slopestyle, it was creating video parts. So that's when I started getting into like with skateboarding and then with snowboarding, filming things in front of our house and kind of just documenting that journey and, you know, road trips to the hill and what we're talking about. I would try to make little vlogs about those things. And, and in one of your videos, you talk about how the world between the athlete and the content creator is becoming closer and closer. And and when you said that, I was like, that she's she's absolutely right. And what's becoming more closely, it's it's accessible for the athletes to create their own media instead of the entities owning their likeness and their media. Can you talk about why it's so important for the 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 athlete to own their own media? Yeah, so important, right? Like when you were coming up as an athlete, for example, when I was coming up as a snowboarder, no one knew who I was outside of like my local community because those people saw me at local competitions. If I started going to competitions out of town, um, which obviously costs a lot of money, yeah, mm -hmm. you got to travel to these bigger competitions. Finally, you start getting noticed by different people and so on. Um, with sponsors, they would like ask for a sticker on your board. But again, you go to a competition, maybe there's 100 people watching. You're only reaching 100 people right there. I think most people on social media, even if you're posting for friends and family, you can get 100 followers pretty easily. Like that's like your close friends and family. So all of a sudden you already have that direct reach more than if you were standing on the podium at a competition. And so same thing with like newspaper coverage, uh, magazines. Now, like all the snowboard magazines are out of print. Like there was print magazines that I used to be covered by that I can't even access the articles anymore because their mm. websites have been taken down. I don't have the print media copy. Uh, and even when you think about their readership, I probably can now reach way more people on a daily basis through my social media. And that empowers me as the athlete to take control of my brand, to be able to make the connections I need with sponsors, partners, um, then even contacting media myself because they're noticing me through what my own media that I'm putting out. So I think it's really important. And we're also seeing even in like the NFL players be able to negotiate deals based off their social following because the teams know that the fans are following that player and they'll bring fans over to that mm. new team. So it's just empowering the athlete to really have control of like their whole career. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I mean, and you see that too, with, even with actors, you know, people are getting hired or, or, you know, speakers. I know you're into speaking. People are getting gigs based off of, uh, I, I listened to the My First Million podcast and he was talking about, uh, uh, he was like, listen, whether you guys like it or not, uh, content is more important than credentials in, in this era. <laughs> and yeah. if you're, if you're someone that your story is prevalent online, you're going to get more eyeballs and the people that have the money, they want to be around the people with, with the more eyeballs. Now, you talk a lot about the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. Can you give me a – if I'm someone off the street and, I, and you're talking about the growth mindset, I'm like, what are, what are you talking about? Can you, can you explain that to me in, in, in how, um, and, and tell me a little bit how you, you work with that concept with, with athletes? 
Yeah. So I let's yeah, I guess let's use like an example with creating content. So for example, you could go on TikTok and I mean this happened to me the first time I opened TikTok, I was like, this is gonna be hard to learn a new platform and it's gonna be hard to learn like even just where the buttons are, like how to edit, right? Eventually it becomes instinctual because you spend a lot of time on it. But someone with a fixed mindset is gonna go over there and say, I'm horrible at creating videos. Like my video was bad, I got no views. Like, let me just move on with my life, my career, move on to a whole mm-hmm. other field, right? But if you have the growth mindset, you're like, okay, I appreciate the feedback that I've got no no views or that someone commented saying like, hey, the audio was really horrible on this video because that's going to enable me to learn and to grow. Mm-hmm. And so the fixed mindset is like, this is who I am. I can never get better. I'm like at a certain level of competence at certain things and that's it. The growth mindset is like, if I put a lot of work, passion, effort towards something, I can improve at it. And so just wherever you're at, if it's bad at the start, which is usually the case for anything in sport, creating business, whatever it is, that's just feedback. That's just your starting place, but you can grow from there. And and how would you say, besides just getting started, how would you say with um athletes who are you know starting to put their brand out there how the gro- how the fixed mindset might show up in other ways yeah uh, well i mean a lot of athletes they i mean it's it's being kind of marketed for all the coaches with sports psychology com- coming to the forefront yeah mental health coming to the forefront the importance of the growth mindset i know like in the sports space that's like the big buzzword of the past few years is growth mindset so hopefully athletes are starting to adopt it in their own yeah. training and everything But often, you know, you get comfortable with what we do, right? So as an athlete, you get comfortable in your sport and you might be uncomfortable trying a new sport or looking like a beginner because you already are at a certain level of competence in the sport. So growth mindset doesn't necessarily just transfer over to everything you do. You then have to put into practice to like the creating world. And so a lot of athletes just are uncomfortable putting themselves out there, especially, for example, a lot of athletes will message me. They're like, well, I'm not at the top level yet. So should Mm, I just put myself out there when I'm at the top level, right? And they worry about being viewed at the level that they're at now. um, And they want to wait until they get to that top level. And so it's that convincing game of like, people want to follow your journey and see that progress. That's what's really interesting to people. So trying to convince them that it's not too early, just start putting yourself out there because you're going to wish you had once you get to the top level and realize you have no library of content and no people following the journey that it took you to get there. And and that's very consistent too with uh, like, you know, a lot of my friends are in the, the cinematography, filmmaking background, photography, and a lot of them think like, well, I'm not at the level that like I see my idols on. So why should I share the behind the scenes? It's the same thing as sports. Like because people that want are, are on the same path that you are, they want to see how it unfolds. They want to see what you're experiencing because that helps them where they're at. And I, I even just made a video about this. Sometimes the people like if Le, Le, I'm just he's the top LeBron James, right? If he yeah. may start making a vlog, like it would be cool, but it would be so out of touch with. Uh, an 18 year old who is just starting his career. Like it would be much cooler for that 18 year old to see a 25 year old that you know kind of shared his last five years. Uh, you know, the, starting his 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 professional career. That's so true. And I I saw a video of yours about you know just being one step ahead. Yeah. And that's something I try to tell athletes all the time because if I look at let's say I'm a young tennis player and I'm looking at Serena Williams' page. That could be pretty intimidating. Like, of course, it's inspirational, but like seeing her behind the scenes, 
is not really going to help me get to where she is because the training that she's doing now is totally different than the training that it took for her to get to that level. And that actually happens in like the sport that I compete in now of CrossFit is athletes will do the programming of the level of like the athletes at the top. And I'm like, you haven't built up the years of volume tolerance to be able to do that programming. You're doing the programming of the best athletes in the world when that's not the programming that they did to even get there. That's a program they're doing now to like maintain and build what they've done for the past decade. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, there's an opportunity for a lot of athletes to come in and just be one step ahead and just show that whole journey. And that's something that I was actually able as a snowboarder to sell the brands and get sponsors that were higher level or, or better deals than athletes who were at a higher level than I was, because I was like, you, you want to be part of this journey and this ride as I mm. get better versus that person is only posting the highlights. Once I get there, you can like be part of this story and it'll, you know, build together that whole kind of relationship when we get to that level. Yeah, that is, that's so cool. When, when you, so how did you get your first sponsor? Like, like it was, was that a really cool moment where someone was like, and, and how is it structured? If you're even able to talk about that, is it like, hey, you have to wear our shirt in your video or and as you're snowboarding? Or was it one video for this amount of money? Like, how did it look? Yeah, so I think like, so back when I first got my first sponsor, there was, I don't even think there was Instagram. Like, I know it was during it was my snowboard that career. early. Yeah, that early because I was like, I'm 27 now and I think I got my first sponsor at like 15. Mm -hmm. And I think Instagram came around like the year I graduated high school. So um, my very, very first sponsor was actually like a local snowboard shop here, skate shop, snowboard shop, which is usually yeah. the first sponsor for a skater or snowboarder. Yeah. And I remember, I think... Uh, two years into snowboarding, I was like, hey, will you guys sponsor me? Because I like the name around town. And they were like, oh, well, you're not really the level. They kind of let me down gently. But I like opened that relationship and they were impressed about like how I handled that. That all of a sudden the next year I had improved a ton and I showed up at this competition um, that they were running and like won it and did like a like a pretty impressive trick that they thought was cool. And so that kind of led me to then being like, I think I was like the first female snowboarder on their team. Um, and so I think it was just the way that I presented myself originally. I told them, Hey, like I'm, I know I'm at this level, but I'm going to get to this level. And even yeah. though they didn't sign at this level, they saw that the next year, Oh wait, she actually is like on that track. She's, so, she's on that path. Yeah. Yeah. So that was how I got the first like local sponsor. Um, and then that one was pretty much just like, Hey, we're going to hook you up with like free stuff. Yeah. Um, we'll connect you to other, you know, brands and stuff. Cause they know all the sales reps of all the snowboard brands and stuff. Um, will like help you get into different contests that are locally. But my first kind of paid type sponsor was Skull Candy. So like Skull Candy headphones, and I still kind of have a relationship with them. They've, they've been awesome. And for a first like brand sponsor, that's pretty rare because usually you get kind of a low level like brand, uh, outerwear deal or like yeah. a snowboard. But I just I don't know why I like saw like some of the top riders had Skull Candy. So I was like, I really want Skull Candy. So I think it was like Twitter that I found them. I was like, I was a sleuth. And now I advise athletes to use LinkedIn to do this, to find like yeah. the decision maker at a company. Yep. But back then it was like, for example, Skull Candy Canada, it would be the whole marketing manager or the whole person who owns the rights to Skull Candy of all of Canada would be running it because they weren't hiring social media managers back then. Uh, yep. It was like the owner of a company would have to be the person running it or their whole like head of marketing. So that's, I think, how I reached out was actually in the early days to a lot of sponsors was Twitter. 
and then uh, created a partnership with them and they helped pay for different expenses and different things. And uh, I think pretty much most of my sponsorships were either like in-person connections and meeting people at events, or it was completely from Twitter. Twitter was like the way that I had as like a secret up on my other competitors. Nice. And and was it, was any of that content related at the time or was it all, uh, I don't know how like it's structured. Were, were, Were there any, like, as you're making videos where they ask you, you know, because of the content, oh, can you wear it in this video and, and, and do this deliverable? Yeah. So once you get like snowboard sponsors or like um, outerwear sponsors, basically you have to be wearing their stuff. So whether it's videos or like at podiums, but back then, because social media was still just coming up on the scene, it was more, I was making the connections on social media, but then there was no like written deliverable ever about like, you need to post this many Mm -hmm. times. It was more so like, we want to see you on the podium. We want to use your name, image, and likeness in our promotions, which might even be print or different things that they were doing back then. Or like, you need to come to these events that we're running um, and talk to our staff or things like that. Um, If you place at a certain contest, you know, we'll match your prize money. Uh, A lot of stuff was like that. And then uh, I would always make a season edit. So there'll be like a video I'll make of my whole season and I'll put all my sponsors logos in it. And of course I'll be wearing and using my sponsors products in there. And that was good because sometimes like I got picked up one of my videos by like trans world snowboarding. So you get on their website and then it has all your sponsors logos and you're Mm. repping them. Um, Anytime you enter a contest, you have to like write your sponsor list because they actually announce it like on the speaker when you're dropping in. They're like sponsored by Billabong, sponsored by Ride. Um, But then as I, I think in my later years, I got like, I started getting sponsorships that were kind of in the fitness space, but as a snowboarder, because I was kind of bridging the gap between, I was a like a pretty rare as a snowboarder who was interested in strength and conditioning in the gym. So I was able to bridge those kind of worlds. So I had like a BioSteel, which is now like Patrick Mahomes is sponsored by and different things. They were my protein sponsor. And for them, that was when Instagram was starting to take off. So there were some things there where like, that's my main promotion was on Instagram and stuff, because of course I'm not really at a contest holding a BioSteel. They didn't yeah. even really have like stickers for snowboards either. So they didn't really care much about that. They cared more about like the social media side. Yeah, yeah. Now, did you, were you working with anyone that was helping you on the business side or were you just kind of scrapping and figuring that out as you, as you went? Yeah, it's literally scrapping and figuring it out. And there's, yeah. there's starting to be more educational resources. And that's what I'm hoping to be for athletes now yeah. based on like what I had to learn. Um, but yeah, literally just scrapping, figuring it out. My dad was a great resource. He's, he's always been an entrepreneur. And so he's been who I kind of lean on for business ideas and bounce things off. Um, so he always from a young age was kind of trying to help me with the business side and at mm-hmm. least educate me on like, Hey, you need to research some of this business side. But I think part of it was like, I was just always so driven about it. Like when I was young, I used to buy sports cards and send them to players, even players I didn't know, but just like, I would look up online, figure out how to do it. And I would get back in the mail autograph cards. Cause then I thought I could sell those cards later, or I would message uh, skateboard companies, snowboard companies when I was like 12. Um, and I had mail coming every day of free stickers cause I figured out how to get free stickers from all the brands. So I was like always pretty comfortable about like, just like figuring things out and trying to just put myself out there and deal with rejection if it happened. 
Well, I think that's a good point to bring up, and and I feel like you touched on it a couple of times, but the, the word relationships has came up often in this conversation so far, and I feel like you're probably great at building. You know, if you're sending out cards at the age of twelve, you know, you're you have a knack for kind of building these relationships. Um, now, in this world, we talked about how you know everyone's sort of like a cold message away, whether it's a DM or or LinkedIn. If when when these creators are just getting started and they're starting to reach out to <laughs> to these brands on LinkedIn, what, what's a common mistake you see when it comes to their cold message on, let's just go with LinkedIn because that's the one we brought up? Yeah, well, so this is the biggest one that I get with athletes and I, I almost every athlete falls into this pitfall and I did early too. Um, and I think creators probably do this as well is you just focus on yourself. So I get tons of athletes who like, they'll say, well, I told this person all my results and then I'm going to go to the Olympics and this, but they still don't want to sponsor me. And I said, well, did you highlight what value you can bring for them? Because for them, like, that's cool that you're going to the Olympics and everything, or you're doing this, or you're ranked at this level for this age. But what matters to them is what value you can bring and the business side of things. So it's like expressing to them that, hey, like I'm really adept at creating content that bridges this gap between my sport and what you guys do. I have an audience who's always asking me for this recommendation. So I think that I can be able to send you this many people or whatever it is. Like you got to highlight that because that's what they care about more than just listing out your results and your credentials. And I think creators do that too. They just message and say, Hey, I have a million followers. Hey, I have this mm -hmm. and expect people just to like fall in their lap, but you got to differentiate yourself and you got to like invest into the relationship first before you expect to just have someone say, Oh yeah, sure. No problem. We'll hand you over some money and product and roll with it. Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of it too. I, I think you mentioned this was um, making it about them, and 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 oftentimes it's it's. I, I think people come into hot just asking for things, where it's just just you know if you were at a restaurant and you just like met a friend and you asked them for something, it would be really <laughs> annoying, you know. Yeah. And, and that's what it feels like for these people on social media. Uh, so once so this so say they um, they position this right. Um, how early do you do, uh, uh, like what what's like a key thing that you want to share like are you sharing any content in the in these cold dms or, or these cold messages uh like is is a pitch deck necessary or is it just kind of get the conversation going and see if they respond and then maybe take that through email or something else yeah i always say you just want them to get the easiest next step so if you can just get a response then you can like take that next step. But if you overwhelm someone with like, here's something that's gonna take you 30 minutes to go through, they're gonna be like, okay, I, I need to find time in my day to like actually go through this and look at your pitch deck. And that time may never happen. Like we all have, you know, the same hours in the day, but some people are busy, especially people who are working in a marketing manager, brand or athlete manager type role. And they don't really necessarily set aside time in their day just to look at people's pitch decks. It's like, okay, if they find some free space, like next Friday, they might like finally get a chance. So if you can just build some sort of relationship, like I tell people, Go find like some marketing manager and see what similarities you had. Like you never know. What if you went back and you went to the same high school? What if you yeah. could like create some intro or for example, on LinkedIn, I say like go and engage with their posts. And after you've engaged with their post a bunch and like you've left some comments, like meaningful comments and you've kind of built that repertoire, then you're able to go into their DMs and say, Hey, like I love that post. You were talking about this. I also love like sharing content about that same subject. Would love to send you over you know, some examples of things I could create because I think we could work together. Just take that next step 
um, to get that response. Because if you just overwhelm someone, it's very easy for them just to like skip it. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely. And it's isn't it so um, wild? <laughs> like so, like as you were talking, I, I, it always reminds me of how accessible everyone is. And uh, since I came from the music industry, when we were just getting started. Everyone, you needed a manager to have relationships in the industry. That was like the key thing a manager brought to the table and some of the business side, but most of the times they were shysty anyways, so you didn't even want to work with them. But the manager was the relationships, but now your content is that thing that is building the relationships. You put out the content, then in the in the comments, in the DMs, you start de- developing these natural like like homies i mean look like we met through through content me and jt met through content and it's just and and people are so like especially in this kind of creator world uh people are so like open to just collaborating or helping out and and just hey let's hop on a a zoom call we might not ever work together but i can like we might be able to connect with you each other with someone who can um is there is there anything that oh like um is there any hesitancy that you see with people like I don't want to reach out like kind of like they had too much pride to 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 like make that first that first step all the time I think that's probably a popular comment like you know that I have my personal TikTok and then I have that business TikTok that I created to share tips for athlete creators and that's a comment I get is like You know, I talk about the importance of putting yourself out there on social media and athletes are like well when I'm the best Nike will just reach out I'm like, all right, like, (laughs) sure. like, But that mentality is probably not going to help you get there faster and isn't going to provide as big of a contract when you get there and you've created no content and they care a lot about, you know, social media presence. So I think a lot of people are like really nervous to put themselves out there to get rejection because I think rejection is like, you know, failure or fatal, which is not. It's just feedback and it's just natural part of the process. Like I've been told no by so many sponsors. I remember at one time I wanted to get a local car dealership because I couldn't afford a car and I needed a car to get to the ski mm. hill. I think I asked every car dealership in the city and I even like got dressed up and went to meetings, business meetings and like put on a business outfit. And I, I got love to that. like a ton of times, but you got to like go through that process because it's what gives me the confidence now to, to do some of the things that I do and be able to go and just put myself forward. Because if you don't ask, you're not going to get a yes, right? Um, at least there's a chance that you could get a yes if you put yourself out there. So you might as well. It's it's all just feedback. It's 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 just literally just information about okay, they didn't like that. Maybe maybe someone else will. I, I mean, I think that a lot of someone like you, I feel like you probably heard no more than other people have even like asked or like other people have even tried uh, because you because you're just uh, you're more open about it just yeah welcome bring it on because each time I'm learning and I'm getting a little better Um, and and you talked about kind of putting out um, just putting it out there and you don't really know what's going to happen I was talking to a friend who was an uh, a quarterback in the NFL and he wants to get into broadcasting and he talks about how competitive it is after after people retire because everyone wants that job and there's only so many slots open and he was talking about how a friend of his who was just on twitter breaking down the games um and he wanted to get into it too and he was just literally just in in his living room after the game he would just break it down and he was a professional quarterback you know was a backup kind of his whole career and then ended up getting like 
hosting like a celebrity flag football game and then that led to like an actual spot like one of the major networks and now he's a highly regarded uh, broadcaster uh, and, but it all starts with just putting that content out there to show other people that like you're interested in this like, yeah. <laughs> most people don't even know you want to go that direction that's there's something to be said about just putting your intentions out in the world right and and putting in those reps as well and i've seen that a lot like i've seen some pretty amazing sports content creators come from tiktok where they're literally doing what you just said like breaking down the games and just speaking in front of a green screen which is so accessible like all you need is your iphone green screen nothing fancy um, and you're just speaking into like this little mic or some people don't even have a mic, right? Like just into their headphone cord. The, the, um, yeah, their yeah. phone, whatever. <laughs> it's so easy, right? Like it's the barrier to entry with TikTok has really made it easy. Um, but I think there is a lot of people that are still scared of the feedback, scared of starting from scratch. And I definitely see that a lot with athletes because obviously they've reached a proficiency in their sport. And so it's really hard to go back and be a beginner at something new. But you got to go through that process. So I'm I'm curious. Tell me who are a couple athletes who you think uh, are have a great vlog that are that are great vloggers <laughs> and mm-hmm. and like what what is unique about their style as creators? It could be one or you know a couple. If there's a, there's 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 a couple in your mind. Oof, that's that's a good one because to, to be honest, well, YouTube. I guess I listen to some cro- or I watch some CrossFit YouTube and. And, um, I mean, most people listening, probably they don't know the sport of CrossFit. <laughs> it's not super popular like an NFL or anything like that. But because of the fact that it's an individual sport, there's only a limited amount of money. There's like one main competition a year. Pretty much all of them have to be content creators. Um, and so there's a lot of athletes, including like the fittest woman on earth. And basically like her, her, I think it's her husband, he's her coach and training program. And they've collected like a group of athletes now to all train together and they hired content creators just to like film them full time and make vlogs, daily reels, um, daily like photograph, professional photographs, all the content that their sponsors need, all those kind of things. So I think those type of athletes do a really good job. There's a lot of athletes in like the whole fitness space that do a great job at vlogging. Um, when it comes to other sports, there's not... There's not as many other sports that I like follow other people's vlogs, especially because yeah. I'm creating so much content myself that it's hard to it's consume hard to keep as much. Up. Yeah. Like, I mean, for example, Juju's controversial and he doesn't really vlog per se. He does vlog actually. Um, but like, he's obviously someone who's actually created a lot of leverage through him putting out content um, and how who's, he's brought in. I might sound silly. Who, who's Juju? Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, player. Yeah. for the Steelers, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Is he the one that does the, the, the TikTok dances? Yes, exactly. Okay, okay, but okay, okay. Like, yeah, collaborated. Yeah. You know those guys who were doing the dance where like their hands were like this? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to really describe it for audio purposes, but um, <laughs> he got them to come on the field and collab. And then, of course, he's collaborated with like some gaming teams and created YouTube content, TikTok, Instagram um with gamers and so he's really like bridged different worlds within sports which i think like for me that's the biggest thing right now is like if athletes can connect with other athletes from different sports that crossover creates so many fans because if you're a sports fan of one sport yeah yeah you're you're likely to cross over into this other sport and if you have no idea what this other sport is but all of a sudden your favorite athlete here is friends with this athlete and they create something together that can bring so many people across and being that that athlete's like the gatekeeper for you into that sport, you're going to follow their career. Like they're your number one. Um, and that, that's a big thing. Like 
last year I started a series doing day of training, like different pro athletes. And of course with COVID, I couldn't travel out and do like a legit production of, you know, interviewing athletes and training with them, which is what I would dream of doing. I think it'd be so fun. Um, so I just looked up their training, spent tons of time looking at vlogs, their coaches videos, and then I did it. And so the first guy I did was Juju. And so I literally got my boyfriend's old, uh, football equipment from high school and like threw it on. And mm-hmm. I spent like a whole day, I spent all day doing conditioning on the field, putting on the gear, being a, being a wide receiver, uh, going to the gym and doing his lifts and all these things. Um, and then I did one, the one that really took off was I trained like Alex Morgan. So I think on TikTok, it got just under a million of just like doing the U.S. women's national team workout. And then on YouTube, it got, uh, I think 18,000, which for my YouTube channel is pretty small. I create videos sporadically. So that was pretty good for me. Uh, it actually reached her coach to the point he like commented and said like, Hey, if you're ever in LA, like come by. So I was like, how crazy, how but it was crazy in the world that? between sports, right? Like people yeah. see that and see like, Oh, this girl who does CrossFit and was a snowboarder. Can she play soccer? Can she try this? What is that day of training like? And uh, it also goes to show that if those athletes had actual just day of training videos, they would do so well. They would pop off. I couldn't find Alex Morgan's full day of training, but I found a bunch of videos and then created it. I bet a ton of people are searching day of training Alex Morgan. So if she actually created it, obviously it'd be better than my video creating it. And uh, I think it would pop off. It totally would. That's a really smart concept. Uh so have you seen have you seen Matisse Thibel's, uh vlogs for the 76ers? No. He was in one of your TikToks. Oh um, really? Yeah, so I thought you might have seen one of his. So I'm 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 from outside of Philly and Matisse is on the team and last year in the bubble he started vlogging. And I thought it was so cool. It it was so cool just to see that like the the raw behind the scenes world of these of these like super athletes. Uh and then it like it hit me that, that these guys, um, I mean, uh, and, and gals, <laughs> are, are all they've been, they were like the original influencer, you know, like Michael mm-hmm. Jordan and Gatorade and 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 Nike. Like growing up, like that's why we love those brands because the people they were attached to. And now these um, kids growing up, teenagers, uh, kids that are younger, their their idols are YouTubers and TikTokers. Yeah. So athletes have the ability to be both and the really cool thing about athletes is you have so much content right in front of you like it's a physical yeah. you're, you're probably physically fit yourself you're always doing something there's so much movement what you're eating what you're how you're training how you're playing there's so much like you you're like whole life can be content how yeah which could lead to burnout so that's true. That's true. <laughs> so how do you juggle that I know. I, now we can even just talk about you right now. You're on a lot of different platforms right now. How, uh, are, are there times where you disconnect? Are you batching content? Like, what's your approach to have a, a consistent balance between creating and 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 kind of turning it off? Yeah. Well, I think just going back to what you said about like how athletes are the original influencers and they have so much content in front of them. I always am telling athletes that and they never believe me, but they overlook things in their life that are actually would be really interesting to other people. Yeah. And so I'm like, the easiest way is just like, you can film your training. That's pretty easy. You probably have a teammate or like last year, most people were just training home alone. You can set up your phone in a corner and do something. So that's literally what, how I started off on TikTok was I was like, okay, let me just like, 
film some of my training. Um, but I know like, I'm not a coach. I'm, uh, like a high level athlete, but I don't want to get into fitness coaching or anything. So as I started seeing comments come in of people who were like, Hey, like, do you have a fitness program? Do you have this? I'm like, it's not the route I want to go, but I have like messages that I want to promote healthy messages, empowering messages, um, things that I care about. So the easiest way for me was like, I took some of my old competition videos, um, because of course, like it was a pandemic and it was hard to get like good angles. If the weather wasn't good, I'm like working out in a living room that has horrible lighting. Like I just knew that those videos wouldn't necessarily, um, do as well. So I would take old competition videos and put it to trends and like put motivational messages. And some of those like really started taking off. Like one day I went and did hill sprints, put it at the bottom of the hill and filmed it. And it's the same hill that I've been running and filming myself since I was like 15, uh, and I just put like kind of like a motivational message with like some epic music. And that was one of my first early, uh, like over a hundred thousand view type video. And so I started doing stuff like that. And then I started realizing like how much content I have over the years from before TikTok ever came about. So I have like, um, like a, an app on my phone. That's like habits app. And I'm just so passionate about creating content that most of those habits are like like drink water. Um, did I do all my training? Did I meditate? Those kind of things. But I have two things. One is post daily on LinkedIn. The other one is post daily on TikTok. And so I have that like in there. And there's been a few days that of course I've missed. I think the last few days I kind of like was offline, um, just kind of hanging out. We are lockdown ended. So I was able to finally see family. So I was like out of cell service for a lot of the weekend. But I, if, if there's a day that I like reach the end of the day and I'm like, oh, I didn't film anything. Uh, there's so much content that I have in my backlog in like a folder of my phone, like all this training videos and content that I can pull up. And then now, like today was a really nice day and I was working out outside on my rig. So I just brought out my video camera and shot like almost everything I did in vertical video. And now I have that for a bunch of different projects that I might want to turn those videos into a bunch of different things in the future. So I like to just like, when I'm feeling like I can film a ton of stuff, take advantage and film tons of clips so that in the future, maybe two weeks from now, I can like put all those clips together on a day that I don't have something that I want to create. Um, and yeah, and I'll use my phone and like put notes and like whenever I'm feeling creative, I'm like, oh yeah, I got to create this video and I might not create it that day. Maybe I'll create it next week, but at least I have like a backlog because not every day am I feeling creative and not every day do I have the time and energy to just completely create something from scratch. There's a lot there. There was so many questions that came up as you were talking. And then I, was, uh, I have to pick one. I have to pick one. There's a lot of good stuff. So yeah, you do batch the, the content. So you're basically saying like when, when I have like, uh, you know, the good setting, uh, and, and, and I'm like primed and I'm, I'm mentally there to film like that. I go all in on it. And that's actually something that I do for my shorts too. And your future self thanks you big time because like in two weeks when you have like five, five to six really great videos to pull from, it's just, it, it, it's, and, but you're not, um, super excited to film. You're not, you don't really have like ideas buzzing. It's just great to have that backlog. Um, so yeah. in, in the conversation, you said TikTok and LinkedIn. What, what's, what, what I love about that is that there, I feel like if you took like all the social medias and lined them up, like they're the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Like TikTok is like where anything flies and, and LinkedIn is where things are more buttoned up. So what are you, are you posting the same piece of content on LinkedIn and, and TikTok? No. So yeah, like I, I definitely am a big person of like repurposing 
content. So what I'll do is, for example, I think there was a few times, like last year, especially over the winter, there was much less time that I was able to create like, hmm, let's say like training content because it was completely snowy outside. So apart from me talking about cold exposure and like snow, again, I was kind of like in bad lighting, just like hitting the exercise bike and this like dark living room. So it didn't really make for the same type of videos that I can get over the summertime. So what I did was I kind of like, I have this back deck and there's tons of videos that I filmed. In fact, I just did a virtual Ted talk literally from that back deck. Um, and so I would just bring out my camera. Usually it was after training. So people kind of caught people's attention because I'm wearing like a sports bra, but it's like snow in the background. So they're like, what the hell is this person doing? <laughs> and, um, and I would just like, make videos like talking about motivational content. So I did like a series on, you know, motivation and why discipline is more important than motivation, how motivation fluctuates. And um, I created videos where I talked about like women's sports up there, where I did transitions. And like one time I was holding a bat and then I jump and I'm holding a baseball and like doing different things like that. Um, but it really caught people's attention because it was like all snowy and, um, and just different. But yeah, like I was able to do different things in that sense when I wasn't able to do like the usual things that I was able to. Also, I just rambled on and totally forgot your question. So please repeat it because my brain had like a wait, wait, I don't even remember the question. <laughs> I was on the next one. I was on the next one. I'm going to flow here. I don't, I, uh, I had the last couple of questions. I were not written down um, <laughs> and I didn't prepare for them. Um, batching content. Um, I, another question came up. Oh, the virtual Ted talk. Uh, I got, I got, oh, yeah. I, let's skip that question. Whatever. If we don't remember, it wasn't important enough. Let's um, <laughs> talk about that. How did you get that? And then tell me how I want to do like, that's my, my goal. I want to do a Ted talk. Uh, so yeah. tell me how um, that came to be and maybe a little bit about how you created the content for that. Because I think writing a virtual Ted talk, it might, I'm just curious how you went about that. So that question just reminded me of your past question. Okay, 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 were, cool, cool, cool. Because the answer to that has to do with LinkedIn, and I just remembered that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. LinkedIn <laughs> yeah. and TikTok. LinkedIn so and I TikTok. Went on a, I went on a rant about, like, the TikToks I was filming out there. But because yeah. of those messages, I post a lot about, like, mindset and things, and then the business side of things on on LinkedIn. And sometimes I'll break down, like, the business side of stuff I'm creating on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, but the same thing with over the winter, because most of my content wasn't just like the workout content, it was about mindset and motivation. I would use the ideas of that content and post it on LinkedIn, but written. So like, mm -hmm. if I talked about motivation, and it was like, point, 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 I would like, you know, paragraph, paragraph, paragraph on LinkedIn. So I was able to kind of reuse that. And then that might be photo on Instagram. And that's the caption. Um, so I was able to like cross it over, but yeah, the, the reason I committed to LinkedIn was, I don't know. I just, everyone was talking about how the platform still had a lot of organic reach. It was growing. You can reach some good connections. So I started like posting more and I started realizing like I was getting messages from some big decision makers in different places. And all of a sudden I got, you know, a lot of podcast requests. I got a lot of, um, speaking engagements and it was just things like people who had never like heard of me or they wouldn't have found me necessarily from TikTok or Instagram. So I was like, okay, this is like moving the needle somewhat. So I'm just going to commit to posting every day and see what happens. And then that's how the, the TED talk came about was the organizer of the TED talk messaged me on LinkedIn. Um, so I think it would just came from just, you know, consistently posting. I share my podcast also on, on LinkedIn. I think he, actually it probably is where it gets the most traction. 
And so that's how what happened with the, the TED Talk. You listened to my podcasts and like the topics and the different things we talked about. So he messaged me there and then that's how that all came up. But yeah, the virtual TED Talk was interesting to say the least. Mm. Um, I think it was really cool because if I were to do another TED Talk, I'm sure it'd be in person. And so this was a little bit easier in a sense because I'm comfortable. I'm like at my house, I can refilm things. Um, it was, it was easy in that sense, but we reached like a lot of issues <laughs> because, uh, I moved basically to like to the other side of the, to a different province. So like kind of like crossing States. Um, but it's 15 minutes from like where I used to live basically. Um, but the border closed like the week before I was supposed to film it. And so I had like a filming crew. We had all these ideas. We had like, um, like a bike skate park it was indoors and it was closed. We were going to use it and do all these like really cool angles. And they like, they're pros. They have all the lighting, all the setups. Um, we were, because it was virtual, we were like, let's take advantage of virtual and do tons of scene changes. Like I can be walking and talking and go here. Mm. We were even thinking like, yeah. what if it started? And I was like on zoom, but then I like a GoPro came and it was like, I was like walking and talking mm. off the computer. And like, we had all these amazing ideas and that completely got scrapped because we went back into a full lockdown where I couldn't link up with them. I couldn't have people over. So suddenly I'm back to like filming with a tripod myself. So that was, was different. It, was it live? Uh, no. So that okay. was the thing. Yeah, it wasn't live. So that was good as well. Yeah. Um, because I was able to still, like, what I did was basically I filmed two angles. So I still kind of wanted it to be a little bit different than just speaking on a stage. So I got multiple angles and kind of cut, cut, cut back and forth so that there's a little bit more movement than just, like, straight up, like, a Zoom kind of talk. Um, and I did it, like, standing up on the back deck. But we had other ideas, too. Like, we were going to do it walking and talking up this hill. But then we realized, like, how noisy my footsteps on the hill actually uh, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, a TED Talk, the audio is pretty important. So we kind of scrapped that idea, of course. And then it was my seasonal allergies hit so hard that I filmed. It was my backup filming because I was still going to do that hill walk um, that we ended up using because the next morning I woke up and was like, there's no way I can film the rest of this week. Like my allergies, like my mm. face is puffy. My eyes are closed. <laughs> I'm sneezing every two seconds. Um, so I was really glad that we did those backup takes and I filmed two angles of it, um, back on the back deck. So yeah, really grateful for that. But it was, it was really difficult to put, you know, your whole story into like 10 minutes that was the hard part of a TED talk. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm used to with TikToks to bake something really, really short. Yeah. Then I know because I'm like creating a short thing once or twice a day. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have a hundred short you things. Break so it I up. Can, yeah. You can break it up. But when it comes to a TED talk, it's like, okay, well now you want like an hour or two hours. Yeah. I feel like, but you got to have it into this like short video. And for me, my time limit was between eight and 12 minutes. I know some TED talks are a little bit longer. Some people's are shorter. So there was a lot of tweaking because it was too long and then narrowing it down. Or then, you know, I, I ran it over with my boyfriend. He was saying, I think the first feedback was like, it was too much story and TED Talk is an idea. So it's like, okay, well, I got asked uh, to make a TED Talk on, I had a complete like open topic. Like I had no topic um, that was asked of me. It was literally like, whatever you want, like we listen to your podcast, whatever you want to talk about. Run it. Like, yeah. And they're like with your story. And I was like, well, that's really difficult because I know you want my story, but Ted talks are an idea. Yeah. So it was like narrowing down my story into idea was really difficult because there's so many learning lessons that I learned from some of the things I've gone through that are so different that I could take it into so many different avenues of things I learned. Like I could have completely focused just on mental health or 
different things. But in the end, what it was called was failure, what I learned from not making the Olympics. And so it mm. kind of goes through how my mental health was so reliant on this end result um, that not making it really broke me. And it was all about how I don't view failure as as failure anymore. I kind of transitioned from that fixed mindset into the growth mindset because of that whole process. And the idea that we need to start rewarding as a society effort more than results, like praising people for trying and putting themselves out there and attaching our, like, not our worth, like we're worthy no matter what we do in yeah. life, but like our daily checklist shouldn't be like, I have to, for example, snowboarding. For me, it was, I have to land this trick. I can't control if I land that trick or not. Like that's just how snowboarding works. Some people it takes two years to land a trick. Some people, they learn it on that day. So I would beat myself up every single day because I'm like, I didn't land this trick. I didn't do this. So when I started CrossFit, what I changed was like, did I get my eight hours of sleep? Did I complete all my programming? Was I 100% present? Did I like check in with my family members today? Did I have like a great conversation? You know, like it was completely effort-based and the results and the happiness throughout the process was so different in that process than what I went through when my whole like life relied on me making the Olympics, me getting this certain outcome. And and I think to bring it back to even to the beginning, you know, talking about the parallels of, of sport and and the world of being a creator, it's pretty much the same. I I am nothing unless I get a million views on this video. Yeah. I need this amount of followers to to feel good about myself or feel like a talent. Like I, I you know, I think everyone struggles with that and I think it's important to have for me at least, I can't say for everyone, it, to have some sort of metric goal because it helps give you a direction but not to tie your whole identity into that. Have a process goal at the same time. Like yeah. you said, I make one video a day. You know, That's a process goal. I post a video a day. Did I do that? And these algorithms, these platforms are so finicky. Like we're going to put all of our self – worth into whether or not it goes like like that that's the thing that i realized like one of my videos I, I got a bunch of random shares and then a huge account shared it and i'm like i just got really really lucky <laughs> you know like it doesn't change the content or like how i'm gonna make the next one and it, in the past i would have said like when i was in the music stuff oh like that video went viral oh i'm the jam now like i feel really <laughs> yeah. like but like but like but it's sort of like you know i can't put too too much stock into that um, when it goes viral and then also can't put too much stock into when it doesn't, you know, sometimes it's just, yeah. you got to identify with the process. I, I think that's exactly it. And that's been the biggest game changer for me in my mindset. And that's what I think what's helped me not burn out too much on TikTok because of that mindset. Because I know if, if I would like say like last summer, my views were like pretty consistently high. And then now sometimes like there's hit, hit and miss things and I'll put in a ton of effort into something. And I'm like, I thought this would be like, the <laughs> yeah, one, yeah. and it doesn't. So I've been learning just to like, no, like you, you can't rely on that. Like, did I put the message I want out today? Yep. Did I know, did I put like my full effort into that? Yep. And like, I'll take the feedback. I'll be like, okay, like maybe the intro wasn't as good so I can work on the next time. And that's a cool thing about TikTok too is like, it's not like, oh, I put this out into the world. I can never recreate this type of video ever again. Like it's done, you know? It's yeah. like you can, the next day you can make a tweak on that video and all of a sudden it, it goes to a million. You can do that a yeah. hundred times over if you want to. So it's like you have so many at-bats. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. JT talks about that a lot. The, the at-bat game of, of TikTok. And I was like, yo, it's so funny. It, it talk about the fixed mindset. I had a fixed mindset about TikTok. I thought it was just for 
a certain certain type of people, you know, an age group, uh, people that that weren't were there not for someone like me to create content. Um, and then I just experienced. I I, uh, I started the reason I started making the short content was because like I you know my fixed mindset was like I want to be a YouTuber because a like, YouTuber like comes with a little more status, you know, like at mm-hmm. least you know in the past. Uh, and so I want to be a YouTuber. So then when, once they started committing to short form content, I was like, oh, cool. I'm just going to start making shorts on there. They haven't popped off. And then I started putting them on Instagram. They were popping off on Instagram. So I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just do it over here. And then I was like, I might as well throw them up on TikTok. And TikTok has like quadrupled the amount of engagement, <laughs> views, relationships from the others. And I'm like, oh, I was talking so much trash on TikTok, but like it's the real deal. Like it's it's one of those things where I like I was talking to my wife. I was like, "Yo, she wants to do something on YouTube. She does like a wedding calligraphy," and I was like, "I'm telling you, I know it, I know it doesn't feel like it's the place to be, but it's the place to be." It's it's so true, and I was the same way. Like it was my younger cousins who showed me TikTok in the first place, and I was like, "Okay, well, having like a marketing agency, I should like at least keep tabs and like know what's going on." And then the pandemic happened and I was like, I'm just going to start filming videos. And yeah, it started like snowballing and things started taking off. And I was like, this is so crazy. Um, And it was the same thing. I was like, no, I need to be YouTube. I need to do this. But like, for example, um, I think the day of training, I did day of training like Tiger Woods last summer. I think on YouTube, maybe it got maybe 800 views, probably less than that. Um, But then on TikTok, I got... I think the first video was just like a part of where I was doing his running. He used to run like nine miles. And basically what happened was I got lost when I ran because I was running um, at that time. Like my boyfriend lived, live in a, uh, we live together now, but he was living in this other town and I didn't know like the running route. So like I got lost and ended up doing extra and I'm like dying. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just kind of like voiced over like what was happening and how, why was Tiger, you know, people are like, why did Tiger was train like this? Cause it was like a stupid way for a golfer to train yeah. to do all that yeah. mileage. And, um, yeah, that popped off like that got, you know, hundreds of thousands versus like 800 on, on, YouTube. on TikTok, on TikTok, on TikTok. And so same thing with like, you know, the, the one with Alex Morgan really took off, but it was the video on TikTok of doing like her, um, just the workout part on the soccer field. I think that one was maybe 700 some thousand or something on, on TikTok. And, um, yeah, people like really resonated with that. And versus, you know, watching the whole thing. And so, yeah, there is something to be said about like, okay, what's the message you want to put out there? And like, however, the best way that that goes, like you can't judge it. Like if that's going to be through TikTok, then that's through TikTok. Like now you've reached that many people and who's to knock on it? Like the the opportunities that I've had, I was, my dad the other day was like, what, what do you do with all these followers or these views on TikTok? Like, and I was trying to tell him, I was like, dad, the other day I made a video talking about like important stats about why girls drop out of sports earlier than, or at a much higher rate than boys at a teenage age. And I said, that video got like hundreds of thousands of views. Where would I have found a hundred thousand people to care about a stat about women's sports? I said like, that's so impactful for me, right? Like that didn't get me like money or anything. We don't even have the creator fund up here in Canada. But like mm. that made a difference in like my life and like hopefully impacted other people because it for me it was like just seeing that like that message is being received by so many more people than would have ever seen that message before. I was like, that's the difference right there. And uh you, you brought up a word that I've seen you use a lot and uh it's the word impact. And I, I I think I've brought this up on every podcast that I've recorded so far because my focus is on conversations with people that I deem I, – I, I believe are impact-driven creators. 
so you have attention-driven and you have impact-driven. And attention, just like, you know the type of person that's attention-driven. Like, all they do is just hack the system to get the views, <laughs> but they'll do anything to get their thumbnails, scammy, like, like just cr- cringy stuff just to make it. And then you have the impact-driven creators that, like, understand the, the mechanics of social media, but have a more purpose, pur- more purpose and more of a mission behind their content. And I think you do a great job at that. And, I, and you say this phrase, impact over hype. Impact over hype. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I think that's just so important is just realizing that it's not about just the money that you can make or the amount of views you get or whatever it is. It's like, what's that message that you want to put out there? And it's really cool. Like when I work with uh, last year, I did like a series of webinars on Instagram marketing for a group of pro female uh, athletes, including like a bunch of pro female hockey players. And I said, like, when I was a kid, if I could have followed you guys, like the the hockey players I grew up watching, the female hockey players on social media and like engaged with your content, that would have been such a game changer in my life. So you guys get to be that person for this next generation. And like, they're so bought into that versus, you know, sometimes you have a lot of, a lot of male athletes, I'll say, that are more just hype driven. They're like, what shoe brand can I get a deal with? Um, just because I want to make that bank or whatever it is, or like, how can I get these views? But it's like, what is that deeper mission? Because that'll prevent you from burning out on creating content. There's a reason why like people are like, oh, social media is only about likes. So like, I'm, I don't care about it. I'm off it. It's toxic. Like that's because probably you're on there only caring about likes. Mm. But if you care Facts. about impact <laughs> and message, it's going to be like, you have a different mindset when you approach it and you're not going to burn out as quickly. So I think that's the most important piece is like, what's that message you want to put out there? And as much as you, yeah, like you said, know the social media mechanics to like amplify that message. Don't let it like mess up your foundation. That was a big one for me. Like I knew last year, it's like, oh, if I can post like ab workouts, I'll probably get to a million followers and be like the ab workout person. I was like, that's not me. That's not what I care about. Like, what is that helping and putting out in the world? Like if someone wants to see that, you can go somewhere else. I'm going to talk about like impactful things and maybe it's going to get less views, but it's going to be the right views. So many great lines. Maybe less views, but the right views. That's such a that's such a great line. You also talk about the story. Real quick, uh, we're going on an hour now. Are you good for time? We got like ten minutes, or do you want to? Yeah, yeah, we can we can roll with it a little bit quicker. I know I'm going to eat dinner pretty soon. Okay, cool, 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 <laughs> cool. Let's um, let's five five minutes just to wrap it up. Or yeah, sounds good. Okay, okay, yeah. I just realized it's seven oh six here. <laughs> um. Uh, you talked about the uh, the story a lot, and I, I was thinking about that too. Um, you know, I think like I'm, I'm a fan of Steph Curry, and I'm I'm like, why why am I into Steph Curry? And I, it's the story of him coming from like a school, getting having so many scouts just look look past him, not even consider him. He went to Davidson, and now he's like one of the best players of all time. And and you know the work ethic that has to go into someone to get to that point. And I just like there's a story there, there's a journey there. Um, tell me if someone's thinking today that I want to be an athlete and a creator at the same time. Like, wh- how do they figure out what their what their story is and and start to be feel confident about sharing it with the world? Yeah, I I mean, I think that's just spending time with self-awareness. And that's the first thing I start, like, anytime I'm coaching an athlete or doing a webinar for a group of athletes or whatever, like, we focus on mindset and self-awareness first. And I think it comes down to, like, you know, just spend time, like, maybe with a piece of pen and paper and, like, 
just think about who you are, like what matters to you, what, write whatever words, sentences, phrase pop up. Maybe it's going to be like, you know, words that resonate with you. Maybe it's like adjectives that describe you. Maybe it's like content that you, you like to create, or maybe it's messages that you want to put out. And from there, you can kind of create these like content pillars of like, okay, I really want to make sure that my content always like leaves people inspired, not you know, comparing themselves or, um, feeling down. I want to always like be positive or like you can, you you know, do whatever you want to do. Um, and kind of like narrow down all those things that you've kind of thought of and like put it into this like bucket so that it's a little bit more organized and easier for you to create content from. And, and now one or two more questions here, your content right now, you have TikTok, LinkedIn, the podcast, your agency. Is there anything I'm missing? Your coaching, your consulting, your speaking. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is your, what is your pillar content? Like if someone were to go check it out right now, where, where would you send them? I would send them to my Instagram because I know like now with reels, I'm able to put like some of those top kind of the, the really important messages from my TikTok and bring them over onto the Instagram. Mm. So I think that's kind of like the main, my main platform in a sense, as much as like, I probably spend much more time creating content for TikTok because I'm more active um, over there. There's still a lot of stuff that I do on Instagram that kind of composes all the different things that I like to post about mental health, mindset, sports, body image, like anything that I'm, I'm passionate about doing or care about or messages that I think need to be seen, I, I just create about it. And I know that it doesn't necessarily fit into like only one thing, but um, yeah, it's hard to define anybody as only one thing anyways. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, and now uh, it's a year from today and you are there. What's a success a year from today in one year? Uh, what's the success in your business, in, in your content, in, as a creator, uh, that you are most proud of? Oof, a year from today. Mm-hmm. I think a year from today, if I'm still consistent with one, maybe two videos a day, I'm really proud of that because I know that like for me, I don't put out something that I'm not like passionate about. Like sometimes I'll do a really fun trend or whatever. Um, I'll usually try to twist it into my own way of promoting motivation mindset, whatever it is. Um, But yeah, like I, I never post things that I'm not like really passionate about. And that's why sometimes I do fall off or skip days. So that's how I know if a year from now I'm still consistent. It means that every day I've posted something that was impactful to me and important um, and so, yeah, I'd be happy with that. I love it. I love it. You, you, you practice, you're practicing your beliefs and what you shared in your Ted talk. Uh, thank you so much. This has been a blast. I feel like we could talk for a lot longer on these subjects. Uh, but let's, I'm sure people feel the same way about listening to this. So where can we send them? We're going to send them to your Instagram. What does that handle? Yeah. At Natalie Allport, which is basically my handle on everything. So, um, yeah, if you want to check out my TikTok, you can go there too, but Instagram is probably the best place. This has been so much fun. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. No problem. All right. Bye.